Greetings, everybody. Welcome once again to the Rec Poker Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Fredland. We are officially sponsored by Running Aces Casino and Racetrack and also partnered with Next Level Poker, which is our official tour. Poker is fun tour. PokerCoaching.com. A couple of quick announcements. As I mentioned uh, last week, our All In For Africa 7 event uh, concluded uh, with Rob Meyer taking down the crown. And then we also held our second event uh, of this fall, and that was the Hawaiian Dream Winner Take Most Tournament, which turned out to be a big hit. And Chris Bellflower, congratulations on taking that and actually booking your trip for two to Hawaii uh, next spring. So that's exciting. And also next spring, we're going to be holding our All In For Africa 8 at Canterbury Park down in Shakopee, Minnesota. And if you want to be a bounty for that, feel free to reach out now and plenty of more information will be coming later. Uh, This week is going to be a bit different and uh, really just uh, doing some interviews that we collected during All In For Africa to kind of give you a flavor for the tournament, the kind of people that are playing. Uh, We're not going to be talking any strategy at all on this show. Uh, other than maybe what some of the folks might mention during the interviews. So basically, it's just the interviews. So uh, if this is something that you're not really interested in, if you're really looking to continue just with the strategy pieces, then feel free to just shut this off and wait for next week. Uh, That's perfectly fine. But Pete Trulene, uh, who co-hosts the Pete and Steve podcast with me, uh, he took the time to uh, to interview folks during All In For Africa, so that's what's on this week's episode. And then uh, next week we'll get back into strategy. We're going to dig into uh, a specific hand scenario uh, that I had, and we're going to start doing some of that where we start looking at specific hands and getting input from a number of people, and then those um, decisions help us understand deeper uh, some of the, uh, I guess, some of the paradigms and some of the perspectives and some of the principles Uh, that we've learned over the last several weeks. So after a word from our sponsor, we're going to launch you right into the interviews that we conducted during All In for Africa. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack has the best poker room in Minnesota, featuring 24-7 promos on all cash poker games, including earning $2 per hour in comps, plus the most player-friendly tourney structures. Visit runaces.com for daily promotions and the tournament calendar. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack, the official sponsor uh, indeed. of Wreck And so why do you play this tournament? Is this your first time playing, by the way? No, I played last year. You did? Uh, last year was my first year. Um, <laughs> it's, it's for the I money. Get, I, have a, I, have a, I have a fun job that affords me uh, a pretty good life. I mean, I'm not obviously not sitting on a... I don't wipe my butt with money, um, but I'm, I'm doing all right, you know, and it's a pretty easy gig uh, doing radio for a living. Um, and so anytime I can... Uh, use any kind of celebrity status or whatever the heck you want to call it uh, to to give back any kind of I mean honestly any charity uh, I don't know a single charity that exists that isn't worthy um, yeah and so I don't really know I didn't really know much about All In for Africa uh, prior to last year playing last year but uh, but you know I, I know how long that have you been playing have you been playing for a while or? so it's kind of a, it's kind of an interesting it's not I don't know if it's an interesting story but. Um, a story, nonetheless. It is. There is a story, nonetheless. Yeah, I actually, me and a couple buddies. I lived in Omaha at the time, and me and a couple buddies got into the. And this is going to sound like I'm just saying this, but this is the honest truth. We got into it about, I want to say, six months before Rounders and before Moneymaker. Oh. And so we were getting it just as it took off. 
and when it really blew up. And so that, it was an exciting, really exciting time for poker. Um, I was single at the time. I had disposable income, and uh, I, I never was very good. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I'm the guy who, I'm the quintessential, did pretty well at home games and did okay at low-limit stuff at this casino, but whenever I tried to move up, I just didn't do very well. I just didn't want to put, I, I didn't have... I don't think I had the desire to put in the time to really learn the game and really, really hone it. Um, and then since then, I've gotten married and had kids, and so now I hardly ever play. So, and now, but honest, honestly, you know, back then when I played and I was trying to get better, you didn't have poker on your phone. You didn't have it at every turn. It wasn't as accessible as it is now. And so now I sit, you know, once we put the kids to bed and get into bed, I'll sit and just, you know, I'm just playing free, uh, but I'll just, I don't know what it is, Zenga poker or whatever it is on my phone. Oh. And you're still getting hands in, you know what I mean? You're still remembering what we're, you know, it, 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 it's the, thing, the biggest thing I've picked up in just sitting and playing free poker on my phone is the reminder that if you have like second pair and there are two or three in the hand, you probably have the best hand. It's so easy to, 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 to be gun shy or afraid if there's an ace on the board or a king on the board and you've got a pair of nines. It's so easy to think if they bet it, they've got it, and they probably don't. Right. And so it's like, you know, it's like little things like that that just reps, you know, just repetition and, and playing the game and, you know, learning, you know, trying to, to commit to memory, you know, what works, what doesn't work, you know. I mean, it, obviously there's, it's to a certain extent a grain of salt when you're playing for nothing. Cause, but you also, you get a feel for a table that's even a free table you get a feel for who's taking it seriously and who's just screwing around you know what I mean you, you know there's 60 grand of fake money in the pot and somebody raises a million it's like what the hell are you doing and I, I just fold and I just don't even engage in those those hands well it, it makes me ask the question like psychology is an important part of it's every in my opinion it's every I mean well you have obviously you have different people with different opinions and, and I think psychology is 90% of it I mean sure math and being able to calculate and, and you know, on the spot, all that, it, it, you know, that, if you can, you know, like, super system was a huge help in just learning percentages and, you know what I mean, like, if you're sitting on a, uh, on a flush draw, you, you know, on the flop, you've got about a 30-ish percent or 28% chance of getting there, you know, where, as opposed to an inside straight draw, you're, you, you know, you're, you're And I'm not a poker spot. player, so all that sounds like pops and buzzes to me, but. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, but, well, you know, so inside straight draw is if you're sitting, you've got four to the, to a straight, and the one that you're looking, you've, if you've got an open-ended straight draw, you're looking at each side of it, right? Oh, so, sure, so then, right. so let's just say, let's just say you've got two, three, four, five. Now, an ace or a six can help you get to that straight, right? Okay. okay. As opposed you. to a uh, an inside straight draw, which is what you would have two, three, and five, six, and you're looking for only the four. Oh, so you've got sure. less odds of getting there, right? Mm -hmm. um, as you know, like a flush draw, you've got a bunch of cards left in the deck that can help you. But it's you know anyway. So it's it, calculating the odds certainly is is you know, and some people are way more mathematic about it. But to me, it's all about playing the person and the psychology of the game. And um, and and I think the biggest thing, the math can be learned. I feel like reading people can be learned. To me, the biggest difference between being a real poker player and not is that ability to know when you know what I mean know when to push oh, or when to right. you know if you want to bluff just having a feel I mean that's part of it is just the reading the person but knowing having that that gut instinct of when is a good time to push a person or when's a good time to just get out of the hand and not mess around interesting that timing is so like you know it's 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 so cliche now but it's so true um 
the, the poker shows on TV, you know, on, on uh, what the heck is it, World Poker Tour, they always say, you know, or, or even on uh, the World Series of Poker on ESPN when it first started, they always say it takes a second to learn and a lifetime to master, and it's so true. It's cliche, but it's so totally true. Yeah. I don't know that you... I don't know that you can ever totally master it. Wow, that's that's good. That's good. <clears throat> and it, I mean, the, the mental toughness part of it sure seems like it would be a big piece too. Because like, if you lose a big hand or win a big hand, you you have to keep it level, right? I mean, you can't just lose a big hand and then all of a sudden, oh, you know, go straight down. You've got to. Hey, Andrew Lee. There's there's Andrew Lee. Oh, hey. Get in here. Yeah, come on in here. We're doing. You something. don't you don't need you don't even need headphones. We're just talking about we're just talking about right now. He's talking about uh, we were talking about the the mental toughness of overcoming like a bad beat or just losing a big hand. And yeah, yeah I mean that's that's another. You know, I keep saying that all of this is a huge part of it, but that is another huge part of it of just being able to to shake it off and not let it affect your confidence and just keep, you know, trust what you're doing and trust that you know what you're doing and, and just keep playing rather than, you know, just completely unravel and come apart. I mean, it's like any other sport, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, you're, you're, let's say you're a hockey team because I'm a hockey guy and you're getting, you know, you're out shooting the team, you know, 30 to 10 and you're just utterly dominating them and they come down and score. And it's easy. It, that's when you need to dig in and just be like, we got to just keep doing what we're doing. We're crushing this team. It's kind of, a, I think it's very much the same, the same thing. Yeah, you see it in yeah. football all the time. Quarterback yeah. throws an interception. What do they do? They get out there and they run the next play. They don't, right. You know, and, and, and I look at poker. I look at poker the same way. It's like every hand is an individual play. And just because something bad happened on the last play doesn't mean something bad's going to happen on this play. And it's right. really easy to get in that mindset of, oh, I just got a bad beat, or I just, you know, I've been getting terrible cards after terrible cards. So clearly that's going to keep happening. Well, that's not true. You know, right. every hand is an individual play, and you have to look at it as such. In fact, if you want to look at the odds, if you just got a bad beat, chances are you're not going to get another one for a while. Right. If you look at odds. Right. Well, it's sort of like the hot hand theory. You know, it's in basketball. If somebody's got a hot hand, you know, and... Feed them the ball. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, you know, is that true or is it just, you know, is it just luck? Yeah. 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 Well, a lot of... Poker is a very mental game. And and if you you go into a hand assuming that you're going to lose, you're going to make bad decisions in that hand. That's so interesting to me. You know, you're you're going to end up making... You're going to end up folding when maybe you should have called or... You know, calling when maybe you should have fold. And how important is like the, you know, like when I, I'm not a poker player, like I said, but when I look around, it seems like people are trying to be disinterested. Is that like the kind of the poker face? You know, like you don't want to give away. Right. Like obviously if you get a, a card, you don't want to react to it. It's it's a it's a style of play that people choose. I'm, I'm personally, I'm a very quiet player because I don't want to try to give away too much information. And so I'm at the poker table, I don't talk much. Okay. And I don't, uh, I don't, you know, people ask me questions and I try to give as short an answer as possible because that's just my personality and my style and how I feel like I'm best at not giving away information that I don't need to give away. Other players are really chatty and, and they, that's a tactic that they use. Okay. Yeah, I, th- I think I come off as a jackass. <laughs> I, seriously, because cause I'm just, come I'm, off. I'm the same thing. Because <laughs> uh, I'm the same way. I'm very quiet, and it's not even so much giving stuff away. I'm just, I'm focused, and I, I just, I don't really want to chat too much. If I'm playing low limit, you know, 3-6 or something like that, then I'm actually the person, because, you know, one of the other tactics that they talk about is being 
trying to like kind of garner the spotlight at the table and be everybody's best friend because then they don't then they people will still say that you know they don't want to beat you you know they want they want to give you you know if you become everybody's best friend then suddenly you're you know a you have a table image of of people wanting you to win almost rooting for you so to speak and um, and or they may they may call something when they don't even think that they've got you beat I've, I've heard of that anyway and so you know there's that's another way of looking at it I'm a class clown would be good for me because that's kind of I'm I talk a lot and uh, <laughs> as you can tell yeah, uh, and and I'm, I'm generally a pretty uh, I think affable dude and pretty happy-go-lucky for the most part and so I should probably just do it but if there's something about sitting at the table and I just clam up and get serious and think and I think part of it is like I was telling you I used to play all the time and now I don't and I'm I'm honestly thinking like if I'm gonna raise I need to I'm, I'm my brain's not conditioned I have to sit there and go okay there's that much so if I want to raise you know what I mean so I'm thinking constantly right. it's kind of like, right. like a guitar player who's not an expert and they're kind of looking at the strings as they're playing that's me yeah. right at, at the poker table I'm, yeah. I'm so I'm so rusty that I've, I'm actually working so so do you guys know any good poker jokes What's your favorite poker joke? <laughs> I don't know if there are any good uh, poker jokes. Poker joke. Semi-clean. We don't have to give it real clean, uh, but semi-clean. I like the line from Ocean's Eleven when, uh, is it, I think it was George Clooney, who said, he said he, he turns over a hand and he goes, it's not, real, it's not really a joke. I just think that the line and the, the part in the movie is funny. He goes, he's like, I'm not really sure what the four nines does, but I think the ace is pretty good. <laughs> right? That's uh, good. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> and anything in rounders is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, my biggest joke is, is my pre-flop play. That's generally... <laughs> oh, <right. yeah. laughs> That's generally pretty funny. <laughs> my pre-flop play is when I'm oh, the best. <laughs> After that's when it goes downhill. After that is when it all goes to hell. <laughs> oh, that's good. Hey, well, thanks for uh, coming on here. And if, uh, throughout the tournament, if you want to stop back, um, we're just trying to get some sound bites to maybe hopefully put on the, the podcast. So. All right, and great. Paul promised that if I outlast him, I get a weekday shift on, on cities. Oh, no, okay. he didn't. No, he didn't. No, he did. No, he did. no. I've got, a, I've got, got the tweet to confirm it. Okay. No, I said that if you outlast me, you can do one 15-minute shift overnight on Alt-93.3. Oh, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> all right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Good luck. Or what's your name, first of all? Uh, Dan Young. Okay. Great. And uh, why do you play this tournament? Uh, I actually won a Twitter buy-in um, through Steve, so uh, I just uh, kind of came up to play. And usually on Saturday mornings aren't great for me to play, so okay. but I won and was able to find a babysitter. So here N we are. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I mean, it's a it's a great tournament for a great cause. So great cause, exactly. Why would you not want to? And how long have you been playing poker? Oh man, uh, probably recreationally for at least 12, 13 years. We used to play back in college a lot and then uh, kind of got out of it for a little bit, only home games. And now that I've lived in Minnesota with access to two casinos, um, you know, play at least once a month, if not more, but wish I could play a lot more. Yeah, yeah. And how? And so why do you why do you play? Is it for the money or is it for the, the fun or, I mean, the... What do you like about yeah, it? Yeah, I, I love the challenge of poker, you know, just the, the um, you know, the mind game and the, it, it's just fun, you know, it, of course the money's great, but, you know, mm -hmm. in the end, it's just uh, a couple hours of fun for me and, you know, like I said, I wish I could play more and, you know, cashing's always great, but that doesn't yeah. always happen, so. Well, I mean, it's nice because a lot of hobbies don't have that potential upside, so you could spend a lot of time, you know, biking or potentially, you know, winning yeah, money. Absolutely. 
and uh, you mentioned the mental uh, part of the game. How important is that? I mean, it strikes me, I'm not a poker player, but how important is the psychology, the mental toughness? What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, yeah, it's. I think it's super important. And obviously, me being a wreck, I'm not um, probably the most mental player of all time, but uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, I know these guys are, and they think through everything. And I mean, it's just insane how good people can get mentally and knowing what you have or you know what you're doing or how you're playing and it's it's huge i'm not there or even close to it but you know a lot of these guys that we'll be playing with today are so yeah there's some fantastic players here man yeah and 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 how long have you known steve before uh i've actually just met steve um okay i I had uh you know i've just talked to him through twitter and email and stuff but today's first time I met him was about three and a half minutes ago. Oh, great. Fantastic. Okay. Yeah, I've known Steve for a long time, so yeah, he's a great guy. So if you won this tournament, how would you spend the money? What, what's the pot, by the way? Do, do you know? I, I don't. I don't. Okay. I don't either. But I think last year was something around $5,000. How would you spend the money if you... Oh, man. Um, that's a good question. I probably wouldn't. I would probably... Uh, save it or put it into a poker fund so that I could play more often, I guess. Nice. (laughs) That's a very smart response. (laughs) Good for you. Well, we've got, thanks for participating. We've got uh, one of these. You can turn it in at the table for, uh, and pick out any gift you want, I believe, the Splash Oh, wow. So there you go. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you, and good luck today. Thank you. All right. So let's start off. What's what's your names? Uh, Jason Schweiger. Okay, great. And is this your first time playing this tournament? Yes. It is? Okay, okay. And uh, and why, do you, why did you decide to play? I've uh, played a charity tournament in the past and kind of fun, so I just wanted to have a good time. Okay, okay. Yeah, i played quite a bit of tournaments up here. Uh, I actually do a lot of charity work, so mix the two together. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah that's the thing. When I, I, I'm not a poker player, but I help out with this tournament, and when I tell people I'm doing a poker tournament for charity, they're like... You know, that doesn't seem like it jives, but, you know, like last year, I think they made $13,000 in one day, you know, to uh, get fresh water in Rwanda. So, I mean, great. Fantastic. So, and how long have you guys been playing poker? Three years now. Okay. Okay. Yeah, better part. Yep. Okay. And uh, let me ask you this. So, you're, are you sort of new, would you consider yourself newer poker players compared to some of these guys, or...? Yeah, com- compared to some of these okay. guys, yeah, for sure. <laughs> there's some de- good players here. Yeah, I, I was looking at the bounty list, and uh, yeah, there's quite a few pros and good players travel yeah. travel all over to play. Years and years and years. Yeah. <laughs> and who's the guy? There's a younger guy here. Um, I think he's, like, one of the best in Minnesota, actually. I think he just walked in, so... Well, ho- hopefully he's not at table eight. <laughs> <laughs> Schneider, I think his name is. Anyway, uh, so how? So for a, a relatively newer set of players, how much do you think this game is? What percentage is the cards you get? You know, you, the emotional uh, part of it, reading other players, the psychology, and how much is just your, you know, your uh, knowledge about when to hit and when to. You know, I mean, can you give any kind yeah, of a breakdown you know, like that? I mean, I've uh, found it's uh, not not just the players, it's the position, it's the selection. You know, so there comes a lot of patience in this and knowing when to act. And then um, stand, sticking to your guns when you do choose to act, that's important as well. Okay, that's good, that's good. Yeah, I'd, I'd say all, all those are accurate. And uh, as far as skill to luck, maybe a 
80-20, uh, 70-30, you know, luck, luck being the lower end of all that. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. So a really good player oh, yeah. can win consistently regardless yeah, of the cards. If, if you look at all the bigger tournaments up here and you see who carries on to day two, I mean, you see residually the same names of certain players over and over and over again. And Absolutely. I know, I know nobody's that lucky to do it every time, so there's a lot of skill involved. Yeah. yeah. That's so interesting to me. Um, all right, let's see. Um, so if who, who do you think has the best chance of winning? Or what are your chances of winning? Uh, 100%. <laughs> I like that confidence. That's good. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm here to have a good time. So I mean, you got to believe that you can win in order to win. I, I, I believe that. So um, I think I have a good chance. You know, there's a lot of people here. I, I have to stay humble. There's a lot better than I am. But I'm going to do the best I can. Yeah, nice. And how about for you? Yeah, hey, I won't go 100 because nothing's 100. I'll say 99. Okay. And, uh, yeah, you just got to be patient, wait for your cards, pick your spots, and, and go from there. But uh, I've seen Chris uh, Chris Wallace, I think, is playing in this one. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd have to put my money up there if I was going to be a bet Okay. I'm going to try to get him on here, too, so I'll tell him that you said that. Right. Well, thanks so much for uh, for participating here, guys. All right, yeah, thank you. Good. Absolutely. All right, so why don't you just tell us your name? Dan Lehman. Okay, great. And uh, and you're not playing the tournament, but you're standing around wondering what's going on, I guess. Yeah, I came for the regular 8 o'clock or 10 o'clock tournament, and then I didn't look, so I saw this was going on. But um, how long have you been playing poker? <laughs> At least 10 years, I'm not sure. Okay, okay. And uh, and how often do you play? I play once or twice a week now. Okay, okay. And what do you enjoy about it? Is it just a money thing, or is there something else to it? The challenge, you know, to beat the other players, even though frequently they can get lucky on you and beat you anyways. Yeah, yeah. Well, that brings up an interesting question that I've always had, because I'm not a poker player. But what uh, what's the percentage breakdown between luck and psychology and cards, would you say, in this game? I've never read anything on that, but yeah, just, I guess I like to think it's like 80 to 90 percent skill, and then okay. the 10 percent's the luck thing. Okay. So, Okay. But, well, what, you had another category. Yeah, like the psychology, like oh. reading of the players and oh, okay, you know, kind of the mental toughness. Yeah, side yeah. Of psychology is probably eighty percent. You know, okay, because it really is hard to read someone's. <laughs> you know, like one guy I saw vein really throbbing, and I was like, I thought, is that a defect or what? <laughs> it was really pulsing. I wasn't in the hand, I was just watching him, and he ended up folding, but since he was thinking so long, I think he must have had a hand, so that wasn't like a bluffing throbbing, that wasn't a throbbing where you had a hand and was really wanting to make a call and couldn't, you know, but yeah, I never got to see what he had, but he folded. <laughs> Wow, that's great. So, so, you know, people say that can be a tell, but I'm like, well, how could that be a tell? You know, other than, like, in that scenario, I thought he might have had a hand. Right, right. But it wasn't the nuts, you know, so he folded it thinking the other guy had a better hand. Wow, that's interesting. That's cool. So your tournament is coming up here at 8, right? Oh, they canceled it for this, but I just didn't look at the calendar ahead of time, so I didn't know. Oh, okay. It was at 10, though. But. Okay. So I come every Saturday at 10, and then every once in a while they throw in special tournaments like this. Okay. Okay. Hey, well, thanks so much for being on the on the podcast here. That's okay. great. Thanks. Thank you.
My name is Ryan Anderson. Okay. And how long have you been playing poker? Since 2005. Oh, okay. 12 years. Okay, so that's quite a while. Quite a while, yes, sir. Yeah, yeah that's good. And, uh, and what do you like about it? Definitely just the uh, competitive nature, the mathematics, kind of the common combination of different skills and, and just enjoyment of sitting and focusing and seeing the different things, you know, the different, uh, you know, especially in tournaments, the different uh, dynamics with chips and players and, and uh, you know, their skills and their you know, attitude toward the game. Yeah. Just just the whole thing, really. Well, and I'm not a poker player, but one of the things, one of the questions I've always had about poker is, what would you say is the percentage breakdown between how much is the cards you get versus luck versus, like, the psychology, you know, versus reading players? Is it, like, a 20, 30, 50? Or? I think for everybody it's definitely different. Okay. And everybody, um, I think at all skill levels... Your different approaches and tactics and strategy coming into the game, um, you know, given the even the different variations of table dynamics, you know, already different the different right. type of game you're jumping into, like the different player um, style. You know, I think I think there, you know, a lot of different strategies will focus different percentages on each of those approaches. Um, you know, overall, you gotta run good and play good, and at the right time, right, no right. matter what. But uh, yeah, yeah, so you know, you, and I think so. You could be the smartest math guy that, and have all the hands down and all the percentage and prob probabilities, and still get beat by someone who can read the other players. You know, in some situations. Uh, uh, certainly, certainly, and and that's part of the joy of the game is is you know, there not one strategy is perfect. There are certainly optimal strategies, and many uh, are students of that. But um, I think it's I think it's a uh, you know great way to to not be able to you know, pin it down to you know, one one or another. You know, in the long term, a math you know a very math focused player is probably going to do decently, if not you know well long term over the course of, of many years. Whereas in the short term, you know the you know, different strategies might be a little more profitable, but right, yeah. right. Anyway. And and what's and what's your strength? What would you say? Uh, uh, <laughs> my strength. <laughs> yeah, just an all around. I'm Fo folding. Yeah. Oh. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Check, check folding is my strength. <laughs> uh, which you know, uh, just you know, I. I I've, I've, I've focused throughout my, you know, 12 years of playing. I used to be a very, you know, more of a student of the game than I am now just because of, you know, I don't play as much anymore. And um, I would say my game has evolved over those different, you know, what we mentioned earlier, percentages probably varied. Um, but overall, you know, I just, I just, you know, try to make the right decisions really is the only, you know, is my only key, and I, I think sometimes I do better than other times, for sure. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so what do you think your chances are, are of winning this tournament today? Uh, <laughs> I just really want to have fun. <laughs> okay, okay. With everybody, you know. It's uh, it's actually my first time I've had the availability to uh, play one of these this year, and uh, I'm just excited. Um, you know, yeah. to be able to play. I won my way in, you know, which is 
which is cool in itself just to be able to participate, but you know, maybe now I can throw a couple of bullets, you know, with, you know yeah. having a little more fun, maybe a little more on the aggressive side, you know, just to play some pops. And, you know, cool. Just have fun with people, you know. Well, it just seems like, I mean, everybody here is just a, such a cool guy. I mean, it just seems like a kind of a cool community of, you know, people with the uh, same interest. You know? It's an incredible community, and, and uh, especially here in Minnesota, I mean, you know, it's, some who play kind of, I think, have known us to have, you know, a decent to, to pretty outstanding community, you know, overall, mm-hmm. as far as, uh, you know, regular players and, and approaches to the game, the skill level, and all that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Hey, well, thanks for sitting down with Yeah, no worries. Thank That's you. Great. This is fun. Yep. Heidi Rogan Camp. Okay. And Sexy pants. And hey, do you want to get in on this? Yes, she does. No, she oh. walked away. <laughs> so Heidi Rogan Camp or Sexy Pants? Yes. Either either way. Yep. I guess so. And uh, <laughs> is it how many? Is this your first time playing this tournament? No, but I haven't played one in a while because I moved to Fargo, so I've missed the last three. Oh, okay. So, okay. Pretty glad I get to make it this time because I didn't have to work today. So. And how long have you been playing poker for? Long time. I would say. Oh. 13 years, probably, roughly, Okay. right in there. That's interesting. That's about the length of time, because I've interviewed a few people here. That's about the length of time that, uh, you know, a lot of people have been playing for. So was there something that happened 13 years ago? No. Is that when it started getting bigger in Minnesota or something? I suppose. It's probably when bar leagues and stuff like that happened. I used to play a lot when I was a kid with my grandpa, all the different table games and whatever, um, home game stuff. But um, I think that's when kind of it started to be on TV a little bit, and... Okay. The free leagues around the areas. So I was a mom with two young kids, so it was nice to get out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> so I think yeah. that's what started me on it. But that's great. Yeah. And uh, what? Uh, so I'm always interested in the breakdown between you know what percentage of the game is um, luck, you know the cards that you get. What percentage is psychology, reading the other players, and what's what percentage is like the mental, like the math part of it. Do you have any, what, what's your strength? How do you play the game? <laughs> I think if you asked everybody, they'd give you a different answer about me. <laughs> um, based on tournament, cash game, or the mood I'm in. Um, you got to keep them guessing, that's absolutely. good. Absolutely. No, um, I don't know that I have a specific strength. I say, I, to me, the psychology of it, the mental game of it is, is a big deal. I did better once I started reading more about the mental part of it just because I used to tilt really easy. <laughs> and, what, and what is that? So, I'm not a poker player. Okay. What is tilting? When you are ahead and you know where you're ahead and someone beats you when they shouldn't kind of a thing where the luck comes into play a little bit. Um, so you take a bad beat and shaking it off is a little difficult. Um, so then you let yourself get upset and play with emotions behind it and you shouldn't. Um, so being able to kind of put that off to the side and, and regroup and and just play the game for what it is. But I think the math of it and the psychology of it are a bigger deal for me. Luck always comes into play a little bit, obviously, because you can be way ahead and, and you know, a one or two outer, the, the very two or three cards that could beat you in the whole deck, one will show up and that happens. But, you know, that that's just part of the game. But um, for me, it's definitely the math and the mental part of it, I think. Okay. And I'm, I'm here for the entertainment always. I'm definitely that person at the table. Okay. So I'm always the one-liner, sarcastic, nope. you know, that's me for sure, every time. So. And, and what do you think about being sort of outnumbered? Because there's not a lot of women that are playing this tournament, and maybe even poker in general, I don't know. What I do you enjoy think about that. that. I you enjoy know. that because um, 
I love to see that there are more and more women playing and becoming a prominent name in the game. Um, when I first started to play, that wasn't the case, and so we definitely were underestimated, which was great because they didn't... Unfortunately, they, they didn't give you credit, they didn't give you respect, they thought you didn't know what you were doing, which you could use to your advantage completely, which I... It's more difficult to do now, especially when you're a local player and more people know you, so they know your game and they know that you might know what you're doing and they know you're capable of a bluff or whatever. But, um, I think that there's a rising force of females in this game and they're earning respect and they're doing great. I love when they succeed and we're kind of a tight little family, we really are. So we all cheer each other on and it's pretty great. So That's great. And that's what I noticed about this tournament. I've uh, My girlfriend and I have worked this a couple years in a row. And people just seem so friendly. Yeah. I was so surprised. We you know, are. I thought it'd be a bunch of stingy people. Yep. You know, it's like, a lot of Minnesota nice in this room. Yeah. We are we are one big happy family, and these are just like big family reunions yeah, for us. What a purple us. panty pull down. <laughs> Don't ask me about that. Yeah, what is a purple purple panty pull down? By it's the way, it's a shot <laughs> that was created in Albany, Minnesota, and last week at the Bounty Tournament at a home game. <laughs> He wanted to know what a good shot was, and his sister, I believe, he said, was a bartender, so he was trying to find out a good shot, and I said, tell her to make a purple panty pull-down. He spent the rest of the night texting about it. So, anyway, that, that's what they are. They taste like grape Kool-Aid, but I haven't had one in years, but I know that they're pretty good. I just can't believe he brought that up. <laughs> Go figure. That's good. Well, thank you so much for uh, talking to us today. Is, I appreciate it. Do you listen to the poker podcast? I do. You do? Okay. Yeah. So some of this might be on there. So That'd you be could, fantastic. could be famous. All so. right. That could be. I don't think so. <laughs> Have a good day. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, Tom Selsky. Okay. And uh, is this the first time you played this tournament? Yes. It is. Okay. And how are you doing so far? We're at the break. Uh, I doubled up so far. Oh, okay. Oh, that's good. Right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, so how long have you been playing poker? Uh, probably about five years. Okay, okay. And when did when did you, how did you get into it? Like, where did you? Uh, just started watching it on TV, uh, tried it, read a few books here, and uh, have enjoyed it ever since. Okay. And how long have you known Steve, then? I uh, just met him a couple of times up here playing poker. Okay, okay. And uh, so, how, what... Um, I'm not a poker player, but one of the questions I like to ask people is how much of the game is psychological, how much is the cards you get, how much is um, kind of the, your knowledge about the game? Any thoughts on that? I'd say probably about 50-50. Okay. It's a game of chance, too, but you got to play your position. Okay. And uh, do you, let's see, uh, what... Uh, I've got a question here, and, and you can feel free not to answer this one, because this is kind of a tough one, but um, what what's the one thing you're most ashamed of doing or saying after a bad beat? Player in on two or player in on one? Uh, nothing really. Nothing. You're you're okay. You're well behaved out there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Next, we just had a bad beat on the table today. I had pocket aces against pocket kings right in the window. Was kings, and all of a sudden they slid the card to an ace. Oh no. <laughs> and and what did you say? You didn't. You just kept your cool. It, it was just cool. It was oh, cool. Okay. I mean, I was on the. Uh, I would have went home, and it was against the chip leader. So 
it happens. Wow. So there's a little skill, a little luck in there too. And the minute I saw that king in the window, I thought I was uh, bye bye. I was on my way home by now. Yeah. Wow. And I'm here after the break. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, good luck and thanks for uh, thanks for answering some of these questions. Yeah, you bet. Great. Yeah. yeah. Great tournament. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Here, I'll give you uh, one of these for the you can for a splash pot. You can go over there and uh, pick any prize on the table. So my name's Kelly Gunderson. Okay. Um, I'm on Twitter. I'm Talkat. Oh, okay. So I follow Steve and a few other poker players. I'm one of these people that I love to follow poker, but I don't get the chances to play very much. But and why is that? Just a time constraint? Yeah, or? time constraints. You know, it, you know. I wish there were more women in it, yeah. and I'm one of them that wishes they could play more. So I think that kind of tells you, you know, right. why there's not a ton of women. But it's fun to follow on Twitter and uh, yeah, follow and, along. Well, I was I interviewed another woman, and, and I asked her about that. I said, "What do you think about you know being outnumbered like that?" And you know, so what do you think about that? Is it I, I, I think it's an advantage. In fact, the toughest tournaments that I've played in, I think, and I have, but I haven't played one for a while, is the all all women tournaments. Oh, interesting. I think it's much tougher to play against other women. I don't know why, but with guys, I can read tells better. Oh, interesting. And I get I get gut feelings better, but when I'm playing with other women, I have a very hard time with them. James, that is so interesting yeah. because you know, I mean, generalizing here, but women are better at reading. Yeah. You know, I think some of those emotions, just that, you know, more practice, that emotional yeah. intelligence. So. I, I would say the same thing. Well, that's cool, because the other woman that I interviewed said the same thing, that she thinks it's an advantage. Just people underestimate you at times. and Yeah, and, and I think I can play a little bit better, you know, kind of mix up my game better against against a table of guys. So, yeah. 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 But it is to have other women at the table, just to kind of, you know, I think we kind of keep the talking going a little bit more. We have a little bit more fun. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Okay. And how long have you been playing poker then? So, that's a really good question. I would say, you know, it was great. The state of Minnesota started with the bar leagues, you know, to have th that bars could do um, poker tournaments, and that's how I started. And when was that? So, I'm trying to think when. So, my kids are 12, and I think it was like the year or two before that. So, okay. we're, I think we're going on 13, 14 years, I think. You know, it's really interesting you say that, because most of the people I've interviewed, I ask that question, and they say about 11 or 12 years. Yeah. And I'm like, well, what happened 11 or 12 years ago? Because yeah. that's when everyone started. So, so I'm also a not only a, a poker junkie, but I'm a political junkie as well. Oh, okay. And so I can give you the story really quick, is that bars were looking for other things to do to compete um, against each other. Um, this was before the smoking ban, and um, uh, he's currently the mayor of St. Cloud, but he was a state senator, Dave Kleiss, introduced oh. a bill, had, had a decent amount of support, and the whole point of it was um, that it's not really gambling because you're not using your own money. But it was a way for bars to and restaurants to bring more people in, oh, and it has to be a free tournament. You know, you can't require payment or purchase from a player. So actually, that's how I started. Me and my husband started playing, and then after we had our kids, uh, the bar that we were playing at needed a poker tournament de uh, dealer or runner. And I said, sure, because I was at home with my kids, and I got into it even more by watching. So like how everybody likes to watch poker on TV, you pick up a lot of uh, information and, and knowledge. Um, I was just watching the tournaments I was running, and I was learning even more. So I did that for about four years, too. So. 
interest. Yeah. Wow. So how, here's a question for you. How yeah. often can a good player expect to win, do you think? Well, do you mean win or do you mean cash? Uh, cash, like end the day of up. Yeah, I, I always look at if I, can, if I can get to cash, I'm doing really well. Um, that's a complete win for me is if I cash in a tournament. So, But to win, I have never won a tournament like here at Aces or at Canterbury. I've won, you know, bar tournaments, you know, where you're winning, you're playing for 100 bucks or something like that. I've won a few of those. But it's rare. So for me, it's, it's if I cash, you know, plus plus, but I'm there for just something to do, a hobby, get to know other people, and yeah. just have a good time and relax for a few hours. So That's the other thing I noticed. It just seems like a cool community. Yeah. You know, I'm not a poker player, but I come here, and it seems like everyone's just friendly, getting along. and. Well, I think Steve's tournament really does a lot to bring out, you know, a charity tournament, I think people are having more fun. You feel like you're doing something good at the same time that you're having a good time. But yeah, I mean, the tables today, everybody's having fun and talking and, you know, joking around. And it's a more relaxed atmosphere. But still, even if I come up and play, you know, at Bidaces, if I play a Friday tournament or, you know, Wednesday night or something like that, it's still... You know, once you kind of get the banter going, break the ice, you know, then it's a really good time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's all I have. Um, do you have anything that you'd like to say before you go? No, but hey, thanks to Steve and everybody who was doing this. Thanks to Aces. Uh, it's such a great community, a, a great place to be up here. And so hopefully I will be at the next one down at Canterbury. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Mike Quali. Okay. And uh, you're here playing at the tournament, the yep. All In For Africa tournament. And are you still in? No, I just went out. Oh, you did? Okay. Yes. Okay. Dang it. Yes. <laughs> uh, but you've got some other things going on. The PPA, you said. And what does that stand for? It's a Poker Players Alliance. Okay. And uh, tell us about what that is. Basically, oh. it's it's a national organization. There's about 1.2 mem- million members. Uh, 25,000 or so are in Minnesota. And we represent the poker community for online poker. Okay, okay. And and how big of a industry is the online poker in Minnesota? Any idea? Like Minnesota, well, at this point, there's no way to tell because there isn't licensed and, and regulated online poker here. It's all offshore black market sites that um, you know are, are basically operating illegally but there's you know there's no way to shut them down okay 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 but in in some states they do have yeah. online poker right? yeah Nevada New Jersey Delaware and we just got it passed in Pennsylvania which was a, a big state for us because of the amount of revenue that they're gonna you know cash in on and the fact that it's it's been a you know a, a pretty long haul there. It was about a three year, three to four year battle that we had there, and, and uh, um, it wasn't easy, but we got it done. Um, there's Michigan is considering it, Illinois is considering it seriously, um, New York is seriously considering it, California's been you know going around and around with it for about 10 years now okay um, and what is your role in all of this? my role i'm the minnesota state director okay. um my my job is to seek out legislators who will uh you know sponsor and and write a bill for us 
okay. and to coordinate our activism within the state of Minnesota. Okay. okay. And do you have any leads there? It sounds like you've made a little bit of progress. We've had we've had some leads. Um, we've had some people that have expressed interest over the years, and. Uh, the best one was was two years ago a state senator who wanted to write the bill, um, but uh, a month later resigned from the Senate, so oh. he's gone. Um, and so I've I've got about four months now until about mid February to try to get a bill written to find you know someone to write the bill. And uh, and why February? Is that a deadline? That's when they that's when the session begins. It'll about mid mid to late February I think this year is when the session begins. Okay. And what would you say to somebody who said, well, um, I wouldn't support a bill like that because poker is just going to encourage people, you know, gambling addiction and w- people wasting money. And how would you respond to See, it? that's the beautiful thing about it. The majority of online poker players are, you know, nickel dime, 25 cent, you know, players. You know, they, they're not the big, big pros, although the big pros do play. And uh, as far as the addiction goes, Without licensed and regulated online poker, addiction issues are not um, dealt with. Um, the, the beautiful thing about having a licensed site, licensed sites within the state, is the fact that they have tools to help people with addiction to literally, you know, fr- literally cut them off from playing. Uh, players have 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 options of putting loss, you know, loss amounts, maximum loss amounts if they choose. There's also the fact that you can only, you know, deposit X amount of dollars, you know, within a certain period of time on on these sites. Okay. Um, Age verification is another thing that's real big. Uh, in the in the three states that have had it for three more three or more years now, that's Nevada, Delaware, and, and New Jersey. There hasn't been one case of, of underage players playing, whereas the black market sites, you know, anybody can get on there. And it's been proven. We, we've literally taken laptops in the states and shown the difference between, you know, a, a licensed site in, in Nevada, for example. You get stopped at the door. I mean, basically, you open up the site and it says, you're not from Nevada, you cannot play on this site. Whereas... If you go to Carbon Poker, for example, you're in. Wow! Doesn't wow. matter. They're not checking your age. They're not checking anything. There's no. There's no addiction. Um, you know, regulations that, that that they work with people and families to. You know, players can really do a lot to help themselves. Right. As far so, as the addiction. Um. Question on that. Um. I think everything you said makes makes a lot of sense. Is there um, is on, online poker considered gambling? Like, is is that fall under like in Minnesota only casinos can only be on reservations? If I understand correctly, is, does the same laws apply to online poker? Um, pretty much. Um, you know, the Minnesota regulators would would oversee the sites. You know, as far as the laws go. Um, in New Jersey, for example, they are they that's the, the state that's had the toughest go with the regulators. They have been on every aspect, and they're actually New Jersey has proven to be the uh, I, oh I'll say it the poster child for online poker in the United States. 
because they've done it right, they've worked with their regulators, they, they haven't had any problems whatsoever. Uh, if there were little problems, they were they were worked out along the way before they ever they ever they ever got ever got got anywhere near being back at the field. But yes, just like the casino, the online sites, and actually more so, because on a casino floor, you can't control every person that's on that floor. You know, there will be some people that may be underage playing. Online, you don't get in the door. Yeah. Without, you know, having proper ID, proper verification through social security numbers, through bank statements, whatever. If the site has any reservations about your age, they're going to ask for more and more information before they let you in. So it sounds pretty secure. What uh, what are the benefits here to like the, the state and to like the people of Minnesota uh, that you're thinking about? Well, the, the, the biggest benefit is the revenue. Mm-hmm. You know, the safety aspect, the consumer protections are huge. And that, you know, I, I can't stress that more. more. Um, but let's face it, right now, while we're talking, there are people playing on the offshore sites that's revenue, tax revenue that could be coming in to the state that's flowing offshore. So on a daily basis, we have no idea how much is going over overseas, but the state would be able to collect tax revenue as well as the fact that, you know, the players who do play on, on the, the larger levels would be paying taxes as well. You know, just like with the lottery, you pay, if you win, you, you pay tax on it. Yeah. And so, what are what's your uh, pl- your next steps um, that you're trying to do to get this accomplished? My next steps is to is to increase the number of people that are involved with the advocacy work here within the state. Um, I can do so much on my own behind the scenes, you know, going to legislators, but we need hundreds, if not thousands, of people. That are that will be willing to, to spend five or ten minutes a day doing daily action plans for the state if we get a bill that's that's out there, writing their legislators within the state as well as in Washington, mm-hmm. making phone calls, simple things, just you know, five and ten minute things that that, that that are that can be done. I have a site called Minnesotans for Online Poker, which is on Facebook. I encourage people to come in and, and, you know, follow that page. Um, a lot of the work right now is, is being done in other states, but, but we want to make Minnesota an active state this year, this coming session. Okay, and give us that website again. It's Minnesotans for Online Poker. Dot it, com? No, Just... it's on Facebook. Oh, okay, okay. Yes. So it's not a website. Okay, I got you. Yep. Okay. And uh, and if people want to get involved, is that the best way to go That's to that? That's the easiest way. Uh, they they can also find me on Twitter at McCusick, M-Q-U-S-I-C-M-Q. Um, that's my name on Twitter. Um, and that's another easy way to find me if they need to get a hold of me directly. Okay. Okay. Well, that's really helpful. Yeah. So if you're interested in, uh, you know, continuing working with poker uh, community, check out the website. Um, get a hold of Mike on Twitter and, uh, or, yeah, Facebook. Right. Yeah. And, uh, so, yeah, okay, well, thank you so much for uh, 
for uh, your time here. No problem. Thank you. I'm Chris Wallace from Next Level Poker, and the poker world people mostly call me Fox. Okay, okay. And now you're, now I'm not a poker player, and I don't know anything about it, but you won. We should play then. I, I probably, <laughs> well, no, no. Um, but you won a World of Series poker bracelet, right? Yes. Yeah, and tell me about that. Uh, in 2014, I won the $10,000 buy-in Horse World Championship. Okay. Uh, 200 entries, you'd probably recognize a poker player. Somebody who follows the game a lot would recognize most of the names in the field other than mine. It was a tough field. It was kind of the tournament that I would have wanted to win if I could pick one. Wow. It was, wow. It was a great day for me. And what does a bracelet winner mean? That's um, a bracelet is like having a World Series ring in baseball or uh, oh, a championship okay. ring in the NBA. It's like it's not quite a green jacket where uh, you know we're only a couple people. They're, they give away about 45 of them a year. So um, yeah, it's it's similar to yeah. a, having a Super Bowl ring kind of thing. Wow, it's pretty pretty cool. That's a good. Uh, that's cool. How often can a good player expect to win? When people ask me about luck in poker. Uh, the amount of luck is directly, inversely proportionate to the number of hands played. If you, if you and I each play one hand, and we just put all our chips in the middle, it's just a coin flip. There's, it's all luck. If we play a million hands, I'm gonna win. So, it's really just about how long the sample size is. Um, how often a player can expect to win depends on what their win rate is, and how long they play, and how much variance is in the game that they're playing you know if a if a bad player sits down and plays 10 hands of fixed limit hold them like the, you know they're gonna win like you know 45% of the time or 48% of the time mm -hmm. if they sit down and play 200 hands of pot limit Omaha and they're not much of an Omaha player they're just they just don't have a chance it's gonna be very rare that they're gonna win over that kind of sample and and if they play a million hands heads up with an expert there's zero they're just zero it's almost infinitely small the, the chance that they would ever win interesting so here's a, here's a saying poker saying that kind of goes along with that whoever wins the most pots loses the most money what is what does that mean to you or how do you it's an old saying that that was very true at the time and is probably somewhat true now but there are times when it's it's definitely not correct um, what they're talking about is the people who play, you know, if you if you play every pot to the river, you're going to win all the pots you can possibly win. You're not going to let any sneak away, but you're going to lose so many pots, and the pots you lose are going to be huge. Um, it's basically talking about the tight play is rewarded, but that's not always true these days. Um, back, when, back when that saying happened, uh, 30 years ago, whenever it was that that kind of came around, it was in a couple of poker books. That was probably true in almost all games, that the tightest players were winning the most money. But nowadays, that's not, just simply not always true. I know some players who play a lot of hands and make a lot of money. They're really, really skilled players who are very comfortable with a lot of variance, big ups and downs. But they're good players, and they make a lot of money, and they play a lot of hands. And, and in tournaments, sometimes that's how I am. Uh, you, ha you really have to vary your play according to the table. You can't make the table do what you want. They're not going to change. You have to take what they give you. And if what if they're folding every hand, then play every hand, raise every hand, and steal the blinds over and over again. And if they're if they're calling down every pot to the river, then just play monsters and make them pay. You, you, you know, 
be the water, not the bucket. Just take the shape of the bucket. Okay, nice. Nice. Um, so here's another saying. Uh, if you can't spot the sucker at your table in the first half hour, it's you. <laughs> so do you, uh, when you sit down at a table, do you size people up? I do that immediately, and I do it um, more than most people do, even more than most pros do. My memory for other players is not nearly as good as a lot of my fellow pros. So when we're talking about hands, they will say, well, it was this guy, and you know how he is, and he plays this way, and he does all these things, and I don't remember all that stuff. My That kind of memory for me is uh, so bad as to be almost a disability. <laughs> a brain researcher told me, uh, you're good at this, and you're good at this, and you do this really well, and all these things, and I was feeling pretty good about myself, and then he said, this is basically a disability here, this memory problem. <laughs> so... I don't remember those things, and so I learn to assess people very quickly when they sit down, because I have to do it every time I play with them, uh, right. you know, in, in, in many cases. I mean, if I play with somebody enough, I certainly remember things, but, um, and, and also playing in Vegas so much these days, uh, I don't play with the same people nearly as often as I used to in Minnesota. So I've gotten very good at assessing people immediately. How did they walk up to the table? Who did they look at? How did they look? Did anybody know them? Did the dealer know them? How did the dealer respond to them? Where did their eyes go? How much do they buy in for? How do they stack their chips? Do they buy in in hundreds or twenties? You know, how do they look? Are they wearing a suit? Do they just come out of the club? Do they, do they have a drink in their hand? There's a million things you can assess about people. Right. I've gone I've gone over this stuff with my students and had a ton of fun with groups of students. Or I went to a seminar in Reno, and um, we we held this seminar for 11 students. And I had we did I didn't meet anyone ahead of time because I wanted to do this as a complete cold read. Walked into the room introduced myself, and then went around and introduced everybody else to themselves. Said, these are things I know about you because of these things that I see on you, and told everybody about themselves, and it was a great way to illustrate how powerful that is. You know, one guy had a, one guy had a, a guest watch on, it was like a $100 watch, and between the guest watch and the shirt that he was wearing, I said, you make between forty dollars and $80,000 a year, and he said, well, okay, a lot of, but a lot of people make that, but how did you know for sure? And I said, because you have a $100 watch on, which almost always indicates that you make between those numbers. Somebody who makes, you know, somebody who's, who's completely broke doesn't buy a $100 watch. Maybe they get it as a gift, which is why I also looked at your shirt. Oh, interesting. People who make more than $80,000 a year almost never have a $100 watch. They have a $20 watch or they have a $10,000 watch. Right? I've seen billionaires wear $20 watches. I've never seen them wear a $100 guest watch. When you, if you become fascinated by people and you start looking at all those things in people, you realize how much you can learn about someone just from looking at them and from seeing their, their movements and talking to them briefly, you can learn so much. Wow. So I have my students do exercises where they're, where they're reading people, they're learning things about people. And then when you, you know, everyone's favorite subject is themselves. And right. They love to talk. <laughs> You know, if you want to meet people at a bar, if you want to pick up girls or guys, buy them drinks and ask them questions and act like you're interested when they talk. Right. That's just, that's like the, the, that's the ticket to charming in a lot of social situations. Mm-hmm. And so when you're at a poker table, you can ask somebody questions and they'll talk all day. Yeah. Right? And, and I, I have that same inclination. I love to talk. But if I'm trying to make money at a poker table, I'm asking questions. What do you do for a living? Oh, what's, and you sound interested and they'll talk to you all day. And if they start talking about poker, ask them questions about how they play, and they'll tell you all about how they play. It's and great. is that something you can learn, or is that a lot of, like, intuition, like, you know, reading micro-expressions? And it's definitely learned in my case. Okay. It was a thing I had to learn. When I started making the switch from online to live poker, 
I took a test online that was a, a, a like an example of an autism test where they would give you uh, 27 pairs of eyes and they would block out everything but the pair of eyes and they would ask you what emotion are these eyes portraying and I did <laughs> I did worse than if I had guessed randomly <laughs> and I thought God what's like I can't read people at all and I didn't know Mm-hmm. So then I, I read about how people learn to read people and how people learn to read facial expressions. And so with people who have trouble reading facial expressions, whether they're on the autism spectrum, Asperger's, or uh, have some other sort of issue with not being able to read people's faces well, um, like I'm uh, many indicators for me that I'm not on either of those spectrums, but I was clearly very bad at reading faces well. And so they teach people like me as well in these same ways. But they give you kind of a checklist. You know, they're people who do it innately very well. Mm-hmm. My girlfriend just reads people, just she doesn't even think about it. She can't even tell you why. Right. And I can tell you exactly why, because I had to study it and figure it out. Mm-hmm. So, like, right now you're smiling, and the smile goes to your eyes, and there's wrinkles next to your eyes, and I know that you're actually smiling. Mm-hmm. But if you give me a bullshit smile that, that where you, if you hate my guts and you smile at me because you have to, then it doesn't reach your eyes, and the, and the wrinkles don't happen at the edge of your eyes, right? Right. I had to learn that, and a hundred other things like that, and what they mean. Like, so they'll teach people to go through this systematic thing. Um, his eyebrows are up, his voice is very loud, and he's leaning forward toward me. He's angry, right? Or his eyebrows are up, his voice is very loud, but he's leaning back and he's looking up, so he's, so he's excited. You know, or, you know, those kinds of things, going through that checklist of what do all these things mean? Mm-hmm. And that's what I kind of had to do. I had to learn it in a systematic way because it wasn't... Uh, it wasn't intuitive for me at all. I wasn't good at reading people at all. And now I do it a lot more than most of my fellow pros. Now it's a bigger part of my game than it is with most people. That's so interesting. So what uh, what advice would you give to an amateur? Study hard. Uh, learn about the game. It's the most complicated game that human beings play. It's the only one that computers don't beat us consistently at. They're now they're beating us at Go was the last one left right. with poker. Now they're beating us at Go. <laughs> So poker's it. And there's some poker games where they're, maybe they're beating us, maybe they're not, some they're not. But it's the only one where they're definitely not consistently beating us. And why is that? Because think? it's so complex. The, you know, the number of potential chess moves is some insane number, right? But that's, that number's nothing compared to the number of ways a poker hand can play out. It's literally, it's infinitely smaller than, than how many possible ways a poker hand can play out, especially when you're playing no limit. Interesting. When, if you factor in all the potential stack sizes in every seat, all the potential hands in every seat, all the potential table images and things that people can think about you and things you can think about them and tells you might pick up and bets you might be facing and bets you could make to return those bets and what their range is going to be and how they're going to respond to different bets, it's infinitely more complicated than chess. So when you start learning about it, it's very interesting. You just have to be interested in it and then study it because most poker players don't study it. Most poker players don't study at all. And uh, it feels to me like when I was in the music world, I played music and built guitars for a living for a while. And what I learned in the music world was that most people will jam in their garage with their buddies and drink beer and write songs and wonder why they don't get discovered. Slash from Guns N' Roses went to Juilliard. But they don't see that. They see like Slash on heroin up on stage with his hair in his face or they see like Slash drunk ripping off a solo from somewhere. They don't see that he went to Juilliard. 
Like if you want to if you want to be successful in the music business, it's not that hard a thing to do. But most people who try to do it are the wrong kind of people to be successful. CPAs don't fail to become CPAs. Nobody flunks out a CPA. You know, it's 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 probably a tiny fraction of people who decide I'm going to be a CPA and then and then don't end up successfully doing accounting because the kind of people who want to do that are the kind of people who are successful at it. Everybody who wants to be a rock star fails. Same thing is true with poker. Everybody, everybody who wants to be a poker pro, they almost all fail because they don't do the right things. They just keep playing. They just play and they think, I'm going to really get them today and I know how to bluff and they, they come up with a bunch of dumb reasons why they're going to win or they, or they learn just enough to be dangerous and they think, I've got these tools now. You know, I can't tell you the number of students I've had who've taken three or four lessons and then decided I'm good. And like that, you know, you got to give yourself an education. I've given myself the equivalent of a college education in poker. So how much time do you spend working on your game now? <clears throat> do you still put not, in the time? Not nearly enough. Uh, I'm always thinking about the game and I get a lot out of the lessons I give. Honestly, I, I learn a lot about the game and I keep my game sharp from the lessons. I do watch some training videos on some training sites. Um, I just watched a video on Redshift yesterday. Uh, I do some of that, but I don't do enough of it anymore. And I talk about the game a lot. And my girlfriend is kind of my star student, and she's always asking me about things, and then I have to pull up my spreadsheet that I use with my students and figure it out and get a hand equity calculator and all these things and kind of make sure that I'm right, you know? Mm -hmm. And if I'm not right, then I learn something. But it should be... Uh, you know, it should be like 25% of your time or something is, is studying as opposed to playing, you know. It should be a two or two or three to one or four to one ratio. But you should be doing like real studying during that time. Training sites, books, coaching, whatever it is that, uh, you know, however you learn the best. But it should, there should be real time put into that. And I see, and I see people who do that become very successful. It's not that hard of a thing because the good news is when no one else studies hard, if you study hard, you can win. Right. So that leads me into another question. I've asked a few different people this. Now I've said I'm not a poker player, but what would you say is the is the breakdown, like the percentage of, you know, to be successful, um, you're the cards, like the psychology, reading other players, or the mental game, you know, knowing the probabilities and things like that. I mean, do you have any sense for? I see the whole thing, and it's it's probably because of the way my brain works. You can kind of see it almost in space, but. On the left side, I see the equations. Um, all the things that you can put variables into to solve. And in poker, honestly, they're not that complicated. Uh, as you get into very high-level poker theory, they get more complicated, but there are some world-class players that don't know any of that stuff. The basic math is not complicated at all. And then on the right side, I see the variables to put into those equations, and that's complicated stuff because did, I'm, I'm watching a guy for a timing tell, and I'm not sure if he if he has that timing tell or not. So I'm kind of waiting his range from one thing to the other thing. So maybe he raised a pot, and I three bet him, and he called, and the flop comes ace four nine. And how many combinations of hands in his range have hit that? Hit that right. It's just, and, and if I know that if I know this guy because I've been paying attention to him, and I know he'd only call that raise with ace king and and a pair. And maybe ace-queen suited. Ace-queen suited, there are only three combos left because one of the aces is gone. Ace-king, there are more combos, right? There's a bunch of combos of ace-king. And then there's queens through, or kings through tens. Then there's a set of nines he could have. And then there's 
the other the other hands all the way down except for the set of fours that he could have. So how many combos uh, is he going to call me with versus how many combos he'll fold? And then is he ever going to call without having the ace? And in this case, probably not. Most players are going to be pretty afraid of that ace after they get re-raised. I'm thinking about all those things while I'm looking at the guy trying to figure out, is there any reason that I can weight this range one way or the other by how he reacts to the flop. If I watch him watch the flop and his eyes flash down to his chips right away and back to the flop, then I think, ah, oh, he, he's got ace-king or ace-queen much more often here, and I have to check behind and see, say that I've got a pair of tens, check behind and see if I hit a ten, because betting here is just going to get me either called or check-raised. He's not folding if he's got an ace, because he's going to have a really good kicker with his ace, because he called a three-bet, and I know this guy... If instead he stares at the flop like he hates it and keeps wanting it to change and his eyes never move from it, then I think, oh, he's really unhappy about his pair of jacks right now. Because he called my three bet, he's probably got a hand like eights through jacks. He didn't re-raise me, so queens, kings, and aces are much less likely. We're talking about ace, king, and then like jacks and below as, as the bigger part of his range. And the ace, king's not there very often when he stares at that flop like he hates it so much. Usually he's happy about that. Especially if I know this guy has that tell, or if he has those kinds of tells often, then I know he probably didn't hit that. So, you know, maybe it's 80-20 that he's gonna fold to a bet to a bet here. So I make a reasonable size bet. I bet two thirds of the pot, and he folds most of the time. If he calls, sometimes my tell is wrong, my read is wrong. Sometimes he's just stubborn. Sometimes he's thinking about setting me up, or sometimes there's two clubs on the flop, and he has two clubs, and he doesn't love the flop because he knows he's gonna have to call a bet, but he's gonna stick around. So you watch him on the turn and see if you can pick anything else up. But most of the time you have to have the then mental discipline to just check behind on the turn and fold the river if he bets, if you think he's got it. And a lot of people don't have that either. So they're really all multipliers. And, and to me it's the equations on the left side, the variables on the right side, and then underlying all of that is, is the mental ability, the emotional strength to make the right play when you know what it is. Because those top two things help you know what the right play is, but a lot of people know what the right play is and don't make it. It's not fun. Playing playing poker the right way isn't as much fun as playing poker the dumb way <laughs> for most people. Yeah. So right. it's those three components, and they're all multipliers of each other. If you have two of them really good and the other one you've got nothing, you're not very good. If you have all three of them at 50%, you're much better than having two of them at 100% and one of them at zero. They're multipliers, so, you know... 6 times 6 times 6 is way more than 10 times 10 times 1. Right. Right. So when they're multipliers, you just you have to you have to work on the work on the ones that you're weakest at. That helps a lot. Okay. Well, final question, um, what's the biggest mistake that you see beginners make? <laughs> they play too many hands and they play too many hands out of position in particular. Now, too many hands, because that does that contradict what you were saying earlier about the more hands you play, the even more even the odds are? Or Well, that's total hands that you see. Okay. Oh, I Not see. Not total hands that you play. Total hands that you have a chance to play. You know, total hands that you're dealt into. I gotcha. Yeah. Um, most beginning players can't play as many hands profitably as I can. So they should be playing less hands. If I'm at a tougher table, I play less hands in most cases. Uh, you adapt to every table a little differently, but in general, if I'm at a table for a full of world-class players, I'm much tighter and much more careful. If I'm at a table full of really bad players who are very passive, I'm going to play a ton of hands because I can make a lot of hands profitable. I can wring pennies out of some of those hands. But a beginning player can't do that. 
and almost everybody overestimates their own skill level. I probably do it too. We all do it. So when you're getting started, don't assume the table is soft. It's probably not as soft as you think. You see the mistakes other people make, you don't see the mistakes you make, or you wouldn't be making them. The table is almost always tougher than you think it is, so play tighter than you think you should. And then play much, much tighter in an early position, because early position gets you in trouble. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, that is uh, super interesting, and I thank you. You've got a great radio voice, and you've got a, a great uh, great style here, so very good interview. Did thank you just you. hire me to do something? I <laughs> No, I don't know. This is... No, no, I didn't. <laughs> but I should. Well, no. if a radio job comes up, I'm tired of poker. Just let me know. Okay, okay. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Well, that was fun. Uh, thanks to Pete Trulene and Leanne Larson for putting uh, those interviews together and for, for volunteering at the event. A uh, quick word from our sponsor, then we'll come back and I'll just close this off with a few other thoughts. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack has the best poker room in Minnesota. Featuring 24-7 promos on all cash poker games, including earning $2 per hour in comps, plus the most player-friendly tourney structures. Visit RunAces.com for daily promotions and the tournament calendar. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack, the official sponsor of Rec Poker. Well, once again, thanks so much for those of you who supported us by playing or donating to All In For Africa, as well as the Hawaiian Dream. Uh, we're going to be having more and more of these. Uh, the casinos love them because they get a lot of people in there and several of those that haven't played before. The players love them because we make sure there's a ton of value. Uh, we, we take some money out for charity, but then we also uh, add the bounties for All In For Africa. We had over $10,000 in bounties, so we almost uh, became a full prize pool with that. And then uh, for the Hawaiian Dream, that actually turned out to be an overlay where we had uh, a prize pool of $11,500. We had 77 entrants on a $140 buy-in. So it ended up being an overlay actually there. So a good value to the casino, good value to the players, but then also good value to the charity. Between the two events, we ended up raising more than $26,000 for the Against Malaria Foundation. So it seems like a great model. It seems to continue to be building. And I want to thank those of you who helped Sort of make this dream into a reality. So that's it. As always, I'm open to your feedback on Facebook, Twitter, email stevefredland at gmail.com. As I mentioned, I'm going to start doing some specific situations and hand reviews, so feel free to write one up uh, with as much detail as you can, as possible, I guess, and email it to me at stevefredland at gmail.com, and we'll take a look at those, and maybe it'll make its way onto the podcast to be analyzed by our, our pros. So that's it. Thanks so much. 